0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Twenty years ago um, I did not wear glasses, did not need to wear glasses. This morning I have contacts uh, in so that I can read, so I can see. Uh, Twenty years ago I could see without any aids whatsoever. And, uh, but uh, not, not, not today. Uh, Shane, thank you for that. I wanted you to uh, hear Shane because uh, I think Shane, in, in such a tremendous way, uh, exemplifies uh, how God can, can come to a life and transform lives. Uh, from day one of this church and day one of any kind of student outreach that we ever did before the church was planted, the goal was to lift up Jesus higher than anything else. Uh, this this uh, was never, never about me or about Dana or about any one person. It was about Christ because only Christ can come to us when we're utterly helpless and help us out. And so I'm so grateful, so, so grateful to Jesus who takes care of us, who comes to us at our point of need. Uh, when we continue to suffer, when we continue to struggle, when we continue to need healing, Christ is there. When we are at our most helpless state, Christ is there. Is there for us? Um, I, when when this church uh, began, uh, was very aware of my humanity, and my tremendous need of Jesus Christ. And one of the goals we had for this church was that it would be a church that would lift up Christ over any one person. That it would it would lift up Jesus, who would invite people to be transformed. We are convinced still, after all these years, that only Jesus Christ saves. That only Jesus Christ can transform. Uh, the church officially launched in, in November the fourth, two thousand and one, just after, of course, you know, a, a world event where the twin towers were were blown away by these two planes, and um, so the world at that stage was kind of thinking about uh, what kind of world they were living in, wondering if this was a safe place to be, and. Uh, In those days as well, there were a lot of books that were being written and uh, very famous books on grace. Uh, It was kind of the popular thing to do in those days was to read books on grace. People were passing books to each other. Have you read this book on grace? Have you read this book on grace? And so I have my collection of grace books. And so much of the sermon that I preached on November the 4th, 2001, was about uh, grace in reference to a lot of these people that I was reading at the time. We uh, were so aware when this church began that we were a group of people who desperately needed Jesus more than anything else. Matter of fact, when we started talking about naming this church, I suggested that we call the church uh, Muesli Church. Muesli because I really felt like we were a collection of nuts, fruits, and flakes. And I felt like it would really be a you know, great representation of, of who we are. Uh, and then my wife suggested we call it New Song Family Church because of the idea that Christ has given us a new song when he changed our lives uh, out, of, out of Psalms. And, and uh, so New Song Family Church stuck. Uh, but I, I still maintain that we are a bunch of nuts, fruits, and flakes who desperately need salvation, who continue to need God's healing and God's transforming power in our lives. Uh, this church, the goal was... was was never to take active members from other churches we never wanted to take people from other churches that was never the goal of the start it was actually to provide a place for people who had no church it was to provide a place for people who had not heard about jesus christ yet it was to invite people to transformation who who had not already been transformed now we of course were glad to have people who were called to be part of this church from other churches if god called them but the goal was always to be a place where we would be a light and a beacon of God's love and his power to a lost world, a hurting world. This place was a place where you were supposed to feel welcome. Uh, Ziggy, would you please stand up for us, please? Ziggy Longa. Ziggy's wearing, should you see shorts? He's wearing shorts. Have y'all seen, if you can see around shorts. Thank you, Ziggy. I just want. yeah, you can have a seat. Right. That was one of the things we said up front, that we were going to allow people to be here uh, without judging what they wore, uh, yeah, please, no, I, and I, we really, uh, not only do we not judge Ziggy this morning, but we actually really love the way you look this morning, okay, yeah, I really like the way, I wish I was wearing shorts and a shirt, this I should have, I should have worn shorts this morning, shorts welcome at New Song Family Church. And bring your heart just as it is. Come and uh, hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that's, that's the hope. We want to continue to be that way. If I look back 20 years, I mean, we just now have passed through, we're still passing through this season of, of, of hurt and where we need healing. Uh, not too different than 20 years ago. Uh, where, we're still people who desperately need Jesus Christ. And, and, and one thing that we know for a fact, 100%, the reason why we're preaching on grace today is because Jesus Christ is still the only solution. There is no other solution. And, and it's a real good solution. It's not just some talk. Jesus isn't just some name that we throw around. It really is real help. I think we can stand firm today after these years and say, no, Jesus is still the same. Jesus has never changed. Jesus still changes lives. I can tell you with total confidence that in the darkest moments, Jesus Christ can be there for you. There's no place so deep that Jesus doesn't go deeper. And that's the invitation to anyone who's hurting. He says, come. He says, come and let me transform you. Receive my love. Be transformed. Let Christ change you. Paul, the writer in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. I think we have... Oh. Anitida, thank you. is running our, our projector. Thank you. Yeah. Would you read it with me this morning? When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Through someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, Jesus Christ came to us not when we were perfected already, but we were still imperfect. And he invites us to his banquet. He invites us to fellowship with his son and to enjoy him and be transformed. That's the invitation of Christ. That's grace. Jesus coming to us when we were utterly helpless, when we had nothing. And he says, come. Come. You see this pattern all throughout Scripture, through the Old Testament and the New, of God coming to redeem His people. I can, this morning, I, I won't spend the time, but so many passages in the Old Testament, we tend to think of the Old Testament as this judging, you know, the, the book of the law. But, but actually, it is a story, the, 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 the preamble, the beginning, the introduction to the Messiah. It is the prophetic messages and stories that lead us to salvation. The Old Testament is a book also about grace that moves us into the New Testament. We begin to see these stories of of the actual Messiah who's arrived. Matthew 22, uh, Jesus trying to explain uh, in the best way possible that he loves them, that he came to save them, that he came to help them, tells this incredible story. He's trying to explain, this is what it's like to be part of my kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is this, Matthew 22, and it's not on the slide. I'm just going to tell you the story. He told the story that the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast, that a man prepared a wedding feast for his son. When the feast was ready, he sent out his servants to go and invite them to the banquet. But they refused to come. Everyone who had been invited to the banquet refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast is being prepared, the bulls are fattened, The cattle has been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored him. And they went their own way. Some to the farm, some to their businesses. And then there were others who were invited to the banquet that that grabbed his servants and and insulted them and even killed some of them. Imagine. Servants inviting people to a wedding banquet a feast and ignored and killed extraordinary the king was furious so he sent an army to destroy the murderers and burn the town and he said to his servants the wedding feast is ready and the guests I have invited are not worthy of the honor so go out to the street corners invite everyone you see so the servants brought in every everyone they could find good and bad alike and the, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed the man who wasn't wearing the proper clothing for the wedding. Friend, he said, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Interesting story, Right. Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's setting a banquet table for a wedding to honor his son, to celebrate his son. And people have rejected his incredible offer. I just went to a wedding, Landula's wedding, Landula and Mia. What a fun, fun wedding. It was, it was sort of like this. It was, come, enjoy. We ate We ate and we heard some of the coolest music I've ever heard in my life. Landula, I want to find out where you got that music. Loved it. We had a great time. It was just such a sweet, special time. I'm so glad I didn't miss it. Jesus, the grace of God says, come. Come to something good, not to something bad. We're inviting you to this transformation, inviting you to something wonderful. Come feast. Come celebrate the sun. That's what he invites. This is the story of God's grace. If you you read any part of the New Testament, you begin to see this, this pattern of God saying, come, I'm inviting you to something special. Come, let me change you. Come, celebrate with me. The book of Acts is this ongoing story. After Jesus Christ was crucified and he rose again, there's this story of those who followed Jesus Christ and had been transformed by him, how they lived their life. The book of Acts is really a story of of all of the acts of his apostles and disciples who actually followed him. It's it's their stories. We get to Acts chapter 9 and we see this incredible conversion. God reaching out to Saul, who became Paul eventually. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, transformed by Jesus dramatically, incredibly transformed by him. And then Acts chapter 10, we see that Peter who's tasked with being a representative of Jesus Christ is told to invite people who typically were not invited to, to to come and enjoy Jesus Christ as well. People who were not Jews, others. And a point was strongly made with Peter to say, hey, you need to actually open the door now to people outside of your people. Because the people of God go beyond just the Jews, go beyond... Uh, just our family, but goes out to a lost world who needs him. Acts chapter ten tells a story of Peter sitting on top of a roof. He's, he's hungry, and um, he goes into a trance and sees a vision. In this vision, um, he's hungry before he goes to the top of his roof, and uh, while he's there, he has this vision of of these this blanket being lowered down with all kinds of animals for him to eat, a lot of which he was not allowed to eat as because he was a Jew. And he said, no, I can't. The angel said, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, I can't. I've, as a Jew, I'm not allowed to eat some of that. This blanket was lowered down three times with, with food that typically he would not be allowed to eat. And every time he refused. But at the same time, Cornelius, this Roman soldier, uh, had been, also been given a vision to go find Peter. And so he sent servants, and he sent uh, one of his soldiers out to find Peter and invite him so he could hear the truth Cornelius has a vision Peter has a vision and then the servants and this Roman soldier meet at the front door in Joppa of Peter's house. Peter opens the door Peter comes out. God has told him to go with these people and to do whatever they ask. Although they weren't Jews, Peter instantly invited them in Uh, they spent the night and then the next day they went on their journey got to Cornelius' house and Jesus and, and Peter shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with that whole family. As he was sharing this, the Holy Spirit descended on this family and you can see the evidence of this uh, in their lives. Peter made this statement at the end of that encounter. He says, if the Holy Spirit uh, loves these people, who am I to actually forbid them from actually becoming children of God? And so they were baptized that day. It was a huge step for Peter because Peter also, prior to knowing Jesus Christ, was himself a racist. Clearly, he didn't want to have anything to do with anything outside of a Jew. But Jesus Christ transformed him. And Jesus asked him now to be a voice of grace to people who are not like him. And so here he is, hanging out with people that before he would have never 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 hung out with. Acts chapter 10 tells us this, that when Peter went into his house, this Roman soldier's house, he, one of the first things he said, and I'm not sure why he said this, this was not very good etiquette, but he said, you know, as a Jew, I'm not, spo- I'm not allowed to be in your house. But if God loves you, <laughs> I may as well too. That's basically what he said. Jesus loves all people, all colors, all gender. Jesus loves us all. That's the grace of God. Peter was in training as well, (laughs) understanding the full dimensions, the full breadth of God's love for a lost world. You would think he would have gotten this in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost when nations from all over the world had actually received Christ. But he was still learning. God's grace. God's grace comes to us at our point of need when we were utterly helpless. Grace is defined in the Bible as all of God's power and all of God's love. Grace really is this combination of all of God's power, all of God's love in one. Grace. The word grace appears 131 times and in 122 verses of the Bible. Grace only appears nine times in the Old Testament, that word, and 122 times in the New Testament. Of those 122 times, 101 of those are times in which Paul wrote. Paul wrote about grace more than any other author of scripture. 101 of the 131 references to grace are from Paul. Why Paul? Because Paul had been transformed. We see this in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. We see this confession. Oh, sorry. Twelve uh, through fourteen here it says he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. This is this is Paul's confession here. If you were with us several Sundays ago, you heard me preach on this very passage. Ironic that I preached on this twenty years ago as well. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous! How If my daughter had been here 20 years, she would be laughing at me right now. uh, I miss my daughter. She would have laughed at that. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord is. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Paul was very aware of where he came from. A killer, a blasphemer, and God chose him anyway. If you keep reading in that passage, and I'll show it to you in just a minute, but you see here, Paul says the reason why God chose him was to be an example that anyone can be transformed by God. That God actually chose the worst of sinners to be an illustration of the kind of work that he can do. God chooses the worst of sinners and transforms them. Last, last week uh, in YWAP, we spoke about the, in Mark chapter 4, the demoniac, uh, the guy who was hanging around in the graves, who ran to Jesus for help, and Jesus changed him. A man who ran around naked, cutting himself out of his mind, and Jesus was able to change, to change him and transform him. Uh, these are the kind of people that, that God can change. And these stories that are included in the New Testament throughout the Bible are these pictures that God can take anyone, regardless of their background, and transform them. The story is told of a girl who was raised in a home with parents who actually loved her, but a little bit old-fashioned. They would overreact to her nose ring They would overreact to her music and her choice of friends she would respond to them by saying i hate you i hope your kids have never told you that before her father would always try to reassure her of of his love and also discipline her she began to have dreams of running away and then when she was grounded that you know the hundredth time she decided to leave she left She got into a life of prostitution, and for a while there, she was making big bucks. Had the most expensive and wealthiest clients, until she got sick. And when she got sick, her handler actually just set her aside, and all of a sudden, she found herself sitting alone, dying, poor, alone, all by herself, and she said, maybe I need to go back and see my parents. So she decided to contact her parents and say, I want to come visit. And these were the days without cell phones. And so she left a message on her parents' answering machine at their house. It says, I'm coming in a bus. I'm coming this day. She was on the bus driving. She was thinking, I wonder if they're going to actually, if they still live there. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to welcome me when I get back. And she began to have second thoughts about this whole decision of hers to go back home. This is a long bus ride home. And she got there, and there was about 15 minutes gap there where she could get off the bus. And she almost stayed on the bus. She said, no, no, I'm going to go out just to see, just to see. She got off the bus with her one bag, and she walked into the bus terminal. And inside the bus terminal were her family of over 40 people with a banner saying, welcome home, with goofy hats and with whistles blowing and saying, welcome home, welcome home. As the tears stained her face, she began to say, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And her father grabbed her and says, I know. Hush, child. We have no time for this. We love you. No time for apologies. You'll be late for the party. A banquet's waiting for you at home. This is grace. This is grace. God chooses the worst of us. And transforms us. I so appreciate um, Shane's testimony. It's because Shane wasn't telling you how great she was. (laughs) Shane shared with all of us this morning what a struggle she's had all these years. But how that God continues to receive her back over and over and over again. That's what I heard this morning. Was that God's grace was available to Shane over these past 20 years. Over and over and over again. I'm sure many of you this morning can tell similar stories. Have you ever gone back to God where God has I said, Oh, nope, sorry, no. No. When we are faithless, God is faithful. And that beginning journey that you had when you gave your life to Christ to become his child, that, that, that life only continues with God's continual forgiveness and compassion and receiving of you and transforming of you. There's, this, there's not only the grace at your salvation, but there's the, the ongoing grace, which maybe we would call future grace. That future grace is available. And God's going to make sure that we are going to get through this world and then he's going to receive us and present us before his Father as complete. That's the work of God. Not just for salvation, but throughout your life, pulling you to himself, transforming you, sanctifying you, and then he's going to present us to his Father complete. We're all still projects, <laughs> projects of God. We're all still musily. thank you very much. And Jesus Christ is busy transforming us. This is true of Paul too. Paul, till he died, was saying, gosh, I'm just an example of God's grace. I'm an example of God's transforming power. And we're invited to have this confidence to go before him and say, hey, Come before this this throne of grace. That's what God's throne is called, by the way. It's the throne of grace. Throne of grace. So he rules with this compassion and welcoming and transforming power. All of God's power, all of God's love is what he reigns with. Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us then with what? Confidence. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus invites you to come to him to be changed over and over and over again. And we need to have confidence to come before him. God chooses the worst of sinners and changes them to become a light to others. Our hope at New Song Family Church is that you, having been transformed by Christ, would then become one of the many lights in this church. And let me just say this. The strength of any church the strength of any church that follows Jesus Christ is that each person who's a part of this church is a reflection of transforming power of Jesus Christ. That you would be a light of God's power and God's love to a lost world. As we have been changed, then we are also sent out to be a light to others, to be that transforming message of hope. Not that we are their hope, but that we point to Christ who can change and transform. That's the hope of this church. That's my hope for this church. Paul said it well, 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. Look at verse 16 on the screen. But God had mercy on me. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Is your life a prime example? Is my life a prime example of God's great patience? Think just for a moment with me. (laughs) Surely you are an example of Christ's great patience. I know I am. Oh my goodness. Oh, how Jesus has been patient with Brian Bullington. Oh, Oh, the stories I could tell. But Jesus has been patient with me. And that's why we need to be patient with each other. That's why we need to have grace. And we need to be beacons of the one who has patience for all people. We are to be that illustration. Those who've been forgiven much, loved much. It's a story of the the lady who came to Jesus and anointed him before he was crucified who broke an alabaster of perfume on him and, and, and cleaned his feet with her hair and her tears. This incredible show of affection. And this is what Jesus said about her. Luke 7, verse 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many. <laughs> Dr. Luke puts that there. I t- uh, see that. Pause just for a See that, please. I tell you, her sins, and they are many have been what? Forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. I think that's why we wanted new song to be this kind of a place where people who had sinned a lot (laughs) could feel welcome. It's because Jesus Christ can forgive a lot. And people who've been forgiven a lot love a lot. And, and that's the hope. A bunch of nuts, fruits, and flakes. Forgiven a lot. Who love and forgive a lot. That's really, really the message of Christ. There's a lost city in Vintic Steel. So many people who've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, who desperately need this message. It's an urgent message. And Christ has made us those ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 says this in verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sins so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 2 Corinthians 6, one through 3, verse 3 specifically. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry because we want people to actually see the grace of God. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. Specifically, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's what? Grace. Of God's varied grace. Our, our responsibility as the church is to be these, the vessel of God's grace to a lost world. In all of its forms. What separates us from other religions in the world? What separates us? We offer grace. The world and all other religions either add to or take away from Jesus Christ. The church offers Christ. Grace. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes this different. Gordon McDonald, who wrote the book Ordering Your Private World. He's 83 years old now. He was a a well-known pastor. Another book of grace that I read in those days. Uh, He was a pastor, he wrote uh, all kinds of books, and after he wrote this book entitled Ordering Your Private World, had a sexual affair, uh, cheated on his wife, but he confessed his sin, came to the church, and went under church discipline, and he was restored. And after he was restored by the church, went through the healing and process of reconciliation with his church, he wrote another book, and in his book, this is what he says. The world can offer almost anything as well or better than the church. You need not be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, or heal the sick. There is only one thing the world cannot do it cannot offer grace. David Siemens, the author of Healing Grace, incredible Uh, counselor, pastor, this is what he writes. It says, many years ago, I was driven to the conclusion that the two major causes of most emotional problems among evangelical Christians are these. The failure to understand, receive, and live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. And the failure to give out that unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace to other people. We read, we hear, we believe a good theology of grace. But that's not the way we live. The good news of the gospel of grace has not penetrated the level of our emotions. What he's saying here is that the greatest problem of the church is not receiving grace and not giving grace. There's no other greater problem. Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? Have you read that book? Great book. This is what he says. <clears throat> The notion of God's love coming to us free of charge, no strings attached, seems to go against every instinct of humanity. The Buddhist eightfold path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, the Jewish covenant, and Muslim code of law, each of these offers a way to earn approval. Only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. You can hear, you can hear from these authors, this, this need, this cry, for God's forgiveness, something different than the world offers. And, and, and that's where I stand before you today, is still in desperate need of Christ, still in desperate need of something that I cannot do for myself, that only Christ can do for me. I need it today, I will need it tomorrow. I will continue to need it, to need Him until I see Him face to face. I cannot do anything without him I can tell you the day that I discovered God's grace in my life if you've been part of this church any length of time you've heard me share my testimony but it goes sort of like this i had been trying to come to God for years and I felt like God was saying no to me I could hear this voice no And so one day I spoke to a friend of mine in university who was a believer. I knew knew she was a believer. And I said, so what is this? Every time I want to come to God, I hear this voice, no, 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 you can't. And she looked at me and she said, you know, that's not from God. That that is not God's voice. Because Clearly, the, the, the message of Scripture is that an, until you die, there's this invitation to the loving, saving God. We prayed together and uh, continued to talk to other friends. And uh, one day I just sat in my room and had this long conversation with God. I said, okay, God, I believe you're not saying no to me. Then what, then what are you saying to me? And God began in such a beautiful way To say, hey, listen, to reveal the cross to me. This is what I did on the cross. I died, I rose again, and I love you. I love you because I love my son. And finally there was a click. Oh, so it's actually based on your love of your son. And that's when things made sense to me, finally. I, I didn't think God could love me, but I was pretty sure that God could love his son. And he says, because of his son, he could love me. That made sense, finally. And so that day, I said, okay. I believe I'm hearing yes, God. <laughs> and I gave my life to Christ. And my life has never been the same. Absolutely never been the same. I've, my story could be very much like Shane's. Ups and downs, different things in my life. But God has been faithful to bring me along with his peace. He gave me peace that day. continues to give me peace. He gives me joy, pulled me out of a deep, deep pit of depression. Do you live in fear of never doing enough? Or do you live in gratitude, knowing that enough has already been done for you? Do you worship to impress God? Or do you worship to thank God? Do you do good deeds in order to be saved? Or do you do good deeds because you're saved? Do you pray, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people who steal, cheat, or take part in adultery? Or do you confess, God, have mercy on me, a sinner? Today, Jesus invites you, uh, the God of grace, he invites you to his banqueting table. And uh, I think we have a choice today, like every day. We can ignore him, be about our business, and miss out on the banquet. Or I can say yes. I wonder today if there are people here in this church this morning attending who have never actually given their lives to Jesus and been transformed. And if so, you need to actually come to him today. You don't need to delay. God invites you to be transformed by him. I want to ask uh, Rico to come up, our one-man band, and we're we're going to try to woo you with music this morning. (laughs) In all seriousness, um, if you haven't given your life to Christ, we'd like for you to do so today. And I want to invite you uh, to do it this way. We'll stand in just a minute, but when we stand. Uh, if you want to give your life to Christ, step out of where you are. Just come come forward here to the front, and there will be someone who will receive you, and we will talk to you, and we will pray with you. We want you to actually give your life to Christ this morning. If you haven't, you need to make that decision. The banquet's waiting for you, people. The banquet is waiting. And by the way, you're standing next to a bunch of nuts, fruits, and flakes. So if you think you're the only nut or fruit or flake in the room, you're not you're invited. You're invited to give your life to Him. I'm inviting you to come forward just in case you don't know how to make that decision. We'll, we'll help you do that. and We have people standing by that will walk with you. I want to invite Ziggy up front here if you could help us out in the front and any others who are followers of Christ to receive people here in the front. But let's stand together, let's worship, and if this is your day, come. This is Rico Vecca and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.